pushing back with the feedback is definitely tricky. If you'd like to build a wall of bricks, not just a pile of them, you must keep your client in mind. National culture defines this communication approach, right? Yeah, exactly. It's really important to analyze the customer's expectations to start building their relationships. The good news is that there are always some tricks that we can do to meet the expectations of our customers. Welcome to People Tech and Other Weirdness, the not-so-serious soft-serve podcast. Here we collect stories from our people about their roles and rules, game-changing decisions, wins, walls, and falls. You'll hear about technologies from those who create them. Let's see who we have on today. Hey, 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 we are back. And we are back with another episode on the role of national culture in business. Welcome, everybody. My name is Tatiana Hranovetska, and I'm communication consultant at SoftServe. What a conversation I'm going to have today. Conversation with a colleague of mine who's got four years of experience solving culture cases and educating both software engineers and their customers about cultural values. Irina Ilkiv, I'm happy to be here with you today. Hi, Tanya. Thank you. My pleasure to join you and our listeners today. It's quite a challenge to quickly explain what we do. So how would you quickly introduce yourself? Quickly. Okay, let's see how I can do that. Uh, you know, I love metaphors, and I'll go with the metaphor this time. In my okay, yeah, in my everyday work, I often feel like a guide in the mountains. I love hiking, but I love hiking next to someone um, who knows how to navigate your way with a map and a compass. Of course, this person can't possibly know each and every turn which is coming our way. But by observing the terrain and helping us keep the pace, um, the guide helps us get to the destination, admire the view along the way, and add the destination. Yeah, um, and um, coming back to our work. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I can't predict everything. Looking at the cultural background of a person. Of course. Right. But um, what I can definitely do, um, I can see which shortcuts might be dangerous for the relationship, which behavior can spoil the experience, and which tricks can actually help build the relationship. Mm-hmm. Was it quick? <laughs> uh, well, it was definitely visualizing, and the metaphor is so about you. Yeah, true. Uh, I like metaphors too. And, you know, in the previous episode, I said that sometimes I feel like a civil engineer who builds or strengthens bridges between software teams and their customers. And my recent experience gave me an idea that sometimes we are detectives too. I remember reading The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes at school and quickly learning that somebody who seems to be obviously evil is not necessarily a villain. And a similar thing happens in our job. Uh, You know, the other day, a project manager asked me, Tanya, what would you recommend my team who struggle with giving feedback to the product owner from India? And um, after visiting a couple of their meetings, it became obvious that what the team needs is learn to build relations with the product owner instead of pushing back with their feedback. Right. Pushing back with the feedback is definitely tricky. Oh, detectives. 
It resonates. Detectives, right? <laughs> it resonates with me a lot. Here, today, uh, we are talking about national culture and the role of national culture in building relations with customers. What are your first thoughts on that? Well, you know, I do believe that the relations with the customers are being built by almost every interaction which we have. You know, when we share information, share our experience, when we ask questions or look for alternatives together, Mm-hmm. When we try to convince or just simply say thank you, all that really matters. And um, I would say all these interactions are like bricks. If you'd like to build a wall of bricks, not just a pile of them, you must keep your client in mind. Uh-huh. A strong, well-laid wall, wall of bricks, not just a messy pile of bricks. Are another apt metaphor. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mentioned I love them. <laughs> um, and I think I'll give an example here. Um, I was working with one of uh, our project teams, and the QA lead in that team shared her idea on tracking areas with the biggest number of defects. The answer mm-hmm. she received from the American customer was, thank you for your idea. I cannot see what problem this is designed to address, though. Oh, I can imagine how um, uh, bewildered our QC engineer was, right? Uh, yeah, it was. And how do you think the understanding of national values can help us avoid such cases? You know, the point is that if you want to convince a customer uh, from the U.S., U.K., or Canada, show the problem uh, which needs to be solved. Otherwise, mm, I'd say improving the process just for the sake of process might seem meaningless, and uh, people would find it hard to understand why they need to spend time on that. Mm-hmm. Right, and... Um National culture, but of course not only national culture, can define the approach we'll be choosing in com- communication. Um, you know, um, I once was working with a project manager who who had worked with the American customers for some time, and then he joined the project that was developed for an enterprise in Dubai. He continued using the communication strategy that had been successful with the Americans. And there was so much frustration because the strategy rarely worked with the Emirati people. So that's about what you are saying when um, national culture defines this communication approach, right? Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, one-size-fits-all approach rarely works. Uh, Couldn't agree more here, right? We know that one-size approach usually doesn't work anywhere, uh, whether it's communication or any other area. And uh, um, in, in the example that you gave, um, you uh, you expressed an interesting idea that to sell uh, to customers from the U.S., U.K. or Canada, uh, it's important to start with the problem you will be solving. How would you recommend pitching your idea to the customers from other countries? Tanya, if I might just get back to uh, the customers from the U.S. for a minute... You know, clearly seeing the problem is definitely something which is a key and very important. I'd also add here that it's equally important for uh, the U.S. customers to understand that it's possible to implement the solution and that you can start using the first uh, results relatively quickly. So you mean that 
when they are choosing between a sophisticated solution that can address almost any possible case in six months and uh, a rather simple solution that will give the first results in a month already, um, they are more likely to choose the second one. Right, you are. Because solutions that fix something which didn't get broken yet are just not that attractive. Um, that's for the clients from the US, UK, uh, Canada, as you say. And what about the clients from other countries? Will they be looking for something very different? Of course, the representatives of other cultures will be looking for the solutions to their problems. But why they would pay attention to what you are going to offer to them would be different. Let's take Germans, for example. It's important to see for Germans um, that you understand the problem which they are struggling with. They also need to clearly see that there are clear benefits of the solution which you offer. But, you know, even if you mention that, it doesn't mean that your German customers will be convinced. Uh-huh. I, uh, uh, I seem to know another thing that uh, Germans might be looking for. I remember a case when uh, a software team took a couple of attempts to sell the idea to the German product owner, and every time it was no. And it was no until the team showed a prototype. And uh, they got the approval of the idea in the same meeting when they presented the prototype. Wow, because in fact a prototype is the idea half materialized. Um, yes. Right. And uh, Germans will also expect you to show, you know, to analyze the process of implementation, the risks which might come up. And moreover, they would expect you, you know, to prepare a plan of what you're going to do if the issues do come up. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a lot of preparation if you want to sell an idea to the customers from Germany. Right. Thorough and, one. And uh, it seems to me. Huh? Uh-huh. And it seems to me that the source of information matters as well. The same information coming from a business analyst and a software architect uh, uh, will have a different value. Um, and uh, you know what I'm thinking about? Uh, German and American customers are very different when we compare them with each other. But they are very alike when we compare them with Indian customers, for example, whose uh, level of interest in your solution might also depend on the level of relations that you have developed. Um, I can't agree more here. So because they do business with people rather than companies. And it's so important in this case what they personally think of you. Yeah, I know that you you have had plenty of sessions with SoftServe customers talking to them about the cultural values of the team. Uh, what are the most common questions you get in such talks? Right, talking to clients. Um, this is something I particularly like uh, about our job. So when we speak about a cooperation between Ukrainian teams and uh, U.S. Americans, I'd say one of the most common questions would be, why junior engineers tend to be silent in the team meetings? Yeah, I know that. That's a common question. And how do you usually explain that? What I would usually do, I would um, refer here to the values. Um, we speak about different values in different societies. 
um, the U.S. American society celebrates youth, energy, enthusiasm. Their educational system highlights the importance of um, presentation skills, speaking up, and uh, you know, getting noticed. Whereas if we talk mm-hmm. about the Ukrainian society and our culture, the emphasis would usually be on listening. And especially if we are talking about um, cooperation, which involves any kind of hierarchy. Um, let's, let me think about examples. Uh, let's say a teacher and a student, um, mm-hmm. an older person and a younger person, or a junior engineer, uh, and a senior engineer. Right, and junior junior employees and senior employees. And how to meet the customer's expectations when they uh, expect that every person on the team will be engaged, but not everyone on the team feels comfortable speaking up, especially in big meetings. True, so true. Um, I explained to our customers that the more experience our junior engineers got, the more comfortable it would be for them to speak up, to share their ideas, and even ask questions and write sometimes. So what I also do, I uh, go back to the team uh, and uh, share the feedback with them. And together with the team and the project manager, we try to find places uh, where the junior engineers would feel more safe of uh, speaking up and getting noticed. Uh, could you give us examples of such places? Oh, let me think. Let me try. Um, you know, junior engineers, for example, might not feel comfortable and confident enough to join a discussion between a product owner um, and a senior engineer, but where they can definitely... Mm, speak up and share their ideas um, are, for example, writing meeting minutes or action items. Uh, Such meeting minutes can be a great contribution to the team communication, to the team practice, on the one hand. And on the other hand, um, that would um, be something which is very important for the junior engineers uh, to understand the project specifics better and uh, gain more confidence. Yeah, that's, that, that's a great tip, uh, a really practical one. Thank you for that, Ir. Uh, right, and as you say, it's really important to analyze the customer's expectations to start building the relationships uh, in the right direction, right? Uh, and um, culture matters here as well. Um, you know, something that springs up to my mind when we speak about conversations uh, with clients or customers, sorts of customers. Uh, so something that springs up to my mind is a comment from an Indian stakeholder who said that our engineers, and uh, he was talking about the Ukrainian engineers mainly, so our engineers are very professional, but being too professional made them seem cold and unfriendly. And uh, this Indian stakeholder believed that a little bit of warmth from our side could could greatly catalyze the things on the project. What do you think about that? Wow, thank you for sharing another bright example. And uh, in fact, you know, proving uh, that culture really matters. Because I cannot even imagine, uh, for example, German customers to say that engineers can be too professional. 
or that they need that they are not warm enough. <laughs> yeah, that's a spot on observation. Yeah, uh, yeah. There is so much I would like to ask you, and um, so you have conversations with customers, uh, but the biggest part of your work is actually the conversation with uh, the team or the project managers. And uh, could you share an example of when the team listened to your suggestion, changed their communication, and it had an impact on the situation? Oh, you know that usually it takes time for any change to happen and um, similarly happens with communication styles and uh, a change. So it takes time for a communication style to change for sure. Yeah, that's that's true. Like changing your communication style often means breaking some habits and then developing new skills and turning them into habits. So it doesn't happen overnight. Uh, but still, was there any example when you suggested something, the team took it uh, as a tip, as a recommendation, they uh, implemented that in practice and there was this great result? Right. Um, yeah, the good news is that there are always some tricks that we can do to meet the expectations of our customers. Uh, once I was with a team of project managers who were really worried about their QBR, that's quarterly business review meeting. So the reasons, uh, the reason why managers um, were really worried about it is that they were collecting a lot of information. They really wanted to show the progress they made. But every quarter um, when they were joining the meetings, they were noticing they, that the customers seemed to be less and less engaged, less and less interested. So they rarely mm -hmm. asked questions or commented on the results they saw. And I would say the last drop was that some of the key stakeholders just uh, started skipping the meetings. Oh, I can imagine this frustration and this disappointment when you feel your efforts are wasted. So what did you suggest in this case? Um, yeah, first of all, once I like, uh, figured out that the customers were U.S. American, my first suggestion was to decrease the number of slides and the um, amount of information on them. So to get rid of the information that was about processes, but rather highlight and focus on business results. Uh -huh, so you mean that you suggested the approach like, Um, this is what the business goal was, this is what we did, and this is how our, our results met the goal. Uh, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, right, you are. Um, I also, there was another suggestion that I uh, made. So we wrote an invitation with a clear agenda and a specific reason why it was important for everyone to be at the meeting. Um, so that everyone could understand what's in it for me. In this meeting, right? Yeah, exactly. Such a powerful question. What's in it for me? Um, and the thing that I'm also recalling is that they, the team uh, also decided to change the approach of the presentation itself. What they did, they did it in the form of a dialogue this time. Uh-huh. And I guess uh, the tool they were using was um, questions, right? Or feedback-seeking questions here. Right. Asking questions, that was something that they did this time. And what was the result? You know, I'd say uh, from my observations, a lot of sincere appreciation from the customers because 
they found the information really relevant and really useful. Uh, and they were also grateful for the real conversation that they had. Right, conversation. Because for U.S. Americans, less is more in terms of information, right? And a good presentation is measured by how much they were involved, not by how many slides you covered. And as for me, you've just mentioned one uh, one thing, which is um, which also brings up some cultural differences, and which is definitely worth paying attention to when we build relations with customers. Um, you mentioned uh, appreciation and compliments. Uh, what do you think about that? Oh, that's a huge topic. In my sessions uh, with project teams, I often tell them a story I heard from you, the one about the team dynamics and praising. Could you share it with our listeners too? Oh, for sure. That is a really bright example. Um, let me let me start. Um, yeah. So I met an engineering manager on the client side, and he was eager to hear and to know what my observation about the team communication was. So he approached me with a question, Ira, and what about the team dynamics? Um, is everything all right there? Frankly speaking. Uh, this question caught me off guard a bit, yeah, and uh, because from what I w- observed, um, everything was relatively fine. So I asked him a question why he was asking, uh, and the engineering manager said, you know, I've never heard Ukrainians praise each other, which is so common for Americans. I love this example. Thank you for sharing, because um, this example shows that when we built relations with customers, communication inside the development team is as important as communication uh, with the customers. But our listeners might be wondering how you explain the behavior of the Ukrainian team to that engineering manager. Oh, I'd say I usually try to explain it with the fact that Ukrainian culture tends to be team-oriented and consensus-driven which means that people prefer uh, not to stand out and um, not to attract attention. This is the reason why we are rather economical with our compliments and with our praise, just not to single out one person, especially in public, because being in the spotlight might make the person feel uncomfortable And um, moreover, it can make other people who surround you feel less worthy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it doesn't mean that appreciation is not necessary. It's a huge motivator in the Ukrainian culture, especially when the appreciation comes from our clients. I couldn't agree more here. I guess in this context, we should differentiate compliments, which might cause some feeling of discomfort and appreciation, something that we thrive on. I mean, that phrase like, thank you for coming up with such an idea will bring more satisfaction than you rock, dude, uh, which might cause embarrassment even. Right. And this is what I usually tell to our teams Um, so don't give compliments if you don't uh, feel confident about it and um, if you feel that it is not natural. But there is always something you could appreciate and thank for. And uh, remember that it will make another person feel more valuable 
And it doesn't matter whether this person is from your team or from your customer's team. And, and what about taking the appreciation? Taking the appreciation is another story. Uh, what I discovered while working with software projects um, is that quite often it's so hard for us to accept praise, um, to accept this appreciation from our Western customers. Um, our accomplishments seem so usual to us, just work, that we hardly know how to respond to them. And you know what we usually do? Uh, we just say nothing. Uh, or we react in a way that diminishes our efforts. Yeah, and there is another story here. Uh, once I was, uh, yeah, I, 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 w I would really love to share it. Um, once I was observing um, a communication between a product owner from Israel who was really excited to see great layout of an application design. He was so eager to share his positive feedback uh, with our mm, Ukrainian UI engineer because that was two weeks' work. Uh, mm -hmm. But the UI engineer quietly responded, Oh, no, no, I think nothing, like nothing special. I just copied the layout from the mobile version. Right, and this comment, the, the, the way of taking this appreciation diminished all the efforts and all the time that was put in. Yeah, and you know, outside right. there was even a question mark in the eyes of the product owner. Uh, right. So giving and taking appreciation um, is another art that we should learn uh, when we start working either in international teams or with customers from other cultures. Right. Right. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for sharing your valuable experience with all of us. Oh, thank you for inviting me over, Tanya. It's always a pleasure to see that something you enjoy doing could be useful for other people, uh, like for our listeners too. Uh, you know, that's exactly what I feel every time I am invited to speak about culture. And to our listeners, uh, we appreciate your interest in the topic. Keep discovering cultures and cultural values of those you are working with. I believe this is what can help your project or your business become more successful. Take care and good luck. 